Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, inspiring health stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Hit subscribe on YouTube and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to stay connected with you. Now today, I love the topic we're talking about today, and I love our guest, burnout. It's a word I'm hearing more and more often now, and I'm sure you are too. What is it? What are the signs? And how can a neuro coach help you? Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to welcome to the show, Keyshawn Hughes. Hello. So nice to meet you or continue getting to know you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tamika. I'm so happy to be here and excited to have this conversation. (laughs) Me too. So you are a neuro coach. Let's start with that. Um, That really drew my attention. We connected on LinkedIn Yes. and, um, you know, I saw a lot of what you were talking about and how you described yourself as far as working with clients um, who deal with burnout. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. And I'm glad it drew you in. It's something that I was new to. I'd never heard of one before I would say two or three years ago, but it's a neuroscience or brain-based coach. And what coaches do is help people get from one level in life to the next. And so when people have goals, they typically want to hire on someone, especially if they're high achievers, they want to hire on someone to help them get there faster and help them learn along the way. And so that's what I do being a neuro coach and the brain, our actual brain is what I use as the foundation for the information that I share and what I use to guide our conversations and exercises to help people advance more quickly than they would on their own. So how is a neuro coach different from let's say a life coach or a business coach? neuroscience-based coaches or brain-based coaches, we learn all there is, well, a lot of what there is to know about the brain. I am not a neuroscientist. My background is in marketing and project management. So I'm a communicator. I'm an organizer. (laughs) Yes. So that's where my background is. So I pair that with what I've learned about the brain, which is like learning about the brain for me helped me feel like all things are possible. It really helped me to believe that people, human beings are truly magnificent. We are we are miraculous learning about the brain because there's so much to us that we don't see day to day and we just get up and go throughout our lives and we can feel kind of humpty dumpty or you know kind of like not excited about who we are and what we're made of but learning the few things that I know about the brain totally changed that around for me. And so I combine that that knowledge with my communication skills and my organizing skills and so I try to make information as practical as accessible and easy to understand as possible. So it's kind of breaking down maybe like a little bit of the science behind it or what's happening in your brain so you can understand why you're feeling the way that you are. 
For, yes, for example, I always like to say one way that I talk to people or attract clients is I say that I work with anxious achievers. So tip people who are typically high achieving, but for whatever reason, they feel stuck in their lives and their career paths, moving from one space to the next. And so I work with a lot of C-suite leaders um, at a tech company and they have goals. They, the company has goals and they have goals that they want to do with their team. Maybe they want to be better presenters, have present with more presence when it comes to presenting in front of audiences. Maybe they want to find more connection with their, their team members so that they can get buy-in for what they're trying to implement at their jobs. But they're stuck. They're finding they're hitting walls, right? And so that can be very frustrating. And so through our conversations, we might talk about, hey, you're probably very stressed right now. And typically when the brain is stressed, it can go into one of four lanes, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. So fight is when you can get aggressive and defensive and when you find yourself puffing up a lot and not really mm -hmm. able to receive and hear what people might be saying to you. Flight is when you want to avoid situations. You might literally leave the room, shut down your computer, shut down the conversations or disassociate. Like, so your body might be present in the conversation, but your mind is somewhere else. Freeze is where you can start to feel hopeless, helpless. And that can be that stuck part where you can start to feel an anxiety response. And fawn is a more trauma-based response. Typically people who go into fawn go into obedience. It's like they just want to placate whoever it is that's in charge. So they don't think about their own feelings. They just want to be in line with whatever the dominant person or force is in the environment that they find themselves in as the way to protect themselves, right? So we talk through these things and people have a light bulb moment like, oh my God, I think I freeze oh my gosh, I get really defensive. Like when anyone presents something new to me, I typically just, it's like a hair trigger reaction. And just having those kind of conversations, helping people see themselves in another way and using the brain and how it typically responds as our, I would say compass for how we find that place, people can have great, great, great acceler acceleration very quickly, more quickly than they would do on their own. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Yes. Please, Dis I love it. Yeah. <laughs> because discomfort, totally agree. Us as human beings, we want to feel comfortable. Yes. Um, but isn't that where the growth happens? Like where you feel that friction and you're feeling that anxiety, you want to move past it. Mm -hmm. But then maybe once you want to get to that next level of growth, you're going to feel that again at each yes. kind of change and phase in your career, life, whatever. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Or what do you think about that? I like to say new levels, new devils. So <laughs> I feel like life is about the ebbs and flows. I'm stealing that. Please do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll credit you. <laughs> there are some people I would say, I would say myself, I'm sure there are areas in my life where I just want to coast. I just want to learn how to do something, then do it over and over and over again, and just get the same results, just get results. You know, that's, typically how our brains are wired to work. Our brains are wired to keep us safe and efficient. And mm. so when we've had a, an experience, whether in our past or in our childhood, and there was a really strong emotional tie to that, it can solidify a habit that we might not even be familiar with. And so, yes, when we start to feel that friction, it could be calling attention to, hey, I think I have a habit, a habituated way of seeing things, of approaching things. And 
as I'm not doing the regular cycle and habit that I typically do, it's creating discomfort in me. And people need help moving through that. They need to first feel self-compassion, which I help people with. And yes, there will be friction. There will be discomfort. There will be tension, but it is for your good and not for your bad. Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Do people typically go towards one of those Mm -hmm. or between a combination of them? Or how does that, is it individualized? Absolutely. And it's really because we're all so unique, right? We all have unique experiences that make us who we are. As we're sitting here today, we're coming with all of our stuff, you know? Yeah. And so it can be a combination. It can be people feel all four, you know what I mean? Or maybe situational. It could be a combination. Sometimes people have a dominant way of being. And it's through that self-reflective process, through the two-way dialogue that I have with my coaching clients during our sessions that people can discover what those things are. Which one are you? Ooh, mine is is freeze, which is why this. I say all research is me search. So what led me to even become a neuro coach was the fact that I had challenges and I hired a coach and I started listening. And through my graduate program, I graduated from Purdue University, go Boilermakers as with a master's degree <laughs> in communication. And that's when I, I learned about some neuroscience te- techniques and models. That's when it was first introduced to me. And then I'm an avid podcast listener. And I heard the same neuroscientist on three different podcast episodes. And by the third one, I said, hey, I think there's something to this. Like, maybe I should really pay attention to what she's saying, because how often does that happen, you know? So that synchronicity, I just decided and chose to like really dive into what that was, connected with her. She has a program through the OptiMind Institute. She's a Black female neuroscientist who trains other neuroscience-based coaches, and I'm one of them. And it just led me on that path because of the experience I had with coaching, hiring a coach, and how much I was able to grow and really transform and become better and, I would say, reach a lot of my goals. I wanted to do that for others. And so I learned how to do it, and neuroscience was the basis that I used to build on. Tell me a little bit about your career path and, you know, professional, personal, kind of where life took you to how you ended up to where you are now. Thank you. I love that question. Well, uh, gosh, where should I start? I would say I'll, I'll just start a couple of years ago. I was in senior management working for a tech company. And a lot of times I would find myself as the only, the only woman in a room, the only black person in a room, the only black woman in a room. And I was still... I don't know how I did this now looking back, able to feel a sense of confidence and lead, but I would have walls that I was hitting and I felt extremely exhausted. Okay. And so that was something too, but the type of model that I was running off of is that you just work hard and you do your best and you show up. And so just not to question it. What kind of walls? What do you mean when you say that? I think they were energetic walls. So it was things that were Now I understand it implicit and not explicit. I think I experienced a lot of implicit bias. I experienced a lot of microaggressions. I did not have the language for it at the time, but I got a sense of something is not right here or something is not working well here. But if I just keep working harder, if I just keep my head down and try this new technique, possibly build this new relationship, I'll be able to work past this, right? So at the same- Like meaning- having access to certain opportunities? 
that and yes oh my gosh access yes I wanted to I wanted to grow in my career I was in senior Mm -hmm. management but I was wanting to have conversations and had conversations with management my boss about how I could what was the next step for me what was that path and oh we'll talk about it at your annual review annual review will come around oh maybe now isn't the right time those kinds of things. And so I just began to do self-reflective work. Like, what is it that I'm missing? That's what led me to then want to, so I went back to school. That was one thing. I was like, maybe I just need to know more. Maybe I just Mm -hmm. need to learn more, have another set of letters behind my name. Maybe that will help. And it did. I mean, I now, after going back to school, after being out of school for like 15, 16 years, when I started graduate school, am a strong proponent of being a lifelong learner. Just mm-hmm. always be learning something. It, it just adds so much to you personally and professionally. So I did that. And while I was in my graduate program, I said, okay, now that I have this information, I need, I need someone to coach me and tell me how to channel this information so that I can achieve my goals. I recognized I couldn't do it alone. I began to recognize the importance of community, the importance of not just trying to power through things by myself and try to so that's not on my own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So that's really interesting. So you got a coach while you were still working yeah, at your job. I did to help yes. you like kind of break past those walls you feel like you yes. were encountering because I feel like everyone that I know that has hired coaches are really on their own as far as entrepreneurship. My first thought, and I guess you had already done this, that if I felt like I was hitting a wall in corporate America would be to go to those within the organization. How can I grow? What are you not getting from me that you want to see so that I can get like, here are my goals. How do I get X, Y, Z? Did mm-hmm. you do those things or was it that freeze um, response that came in that you feel like prevented you from maybe uh, being more assertive? I think I had those conversations and I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't getting the results that I was looking for, if that makes any sense. So if I come to my manager and I say, I want to be promoted, what do I need to do? Like I'm looking for steps. What is it about me that I should add to myself to be considered for promotion, to be considered for other roles? Oh, you're just doing a great job. I mean, when it's time, Mm -hmm. we'll just talk about that. You know, that kind of, and that's why I say it's more implicit. And I don't know, I can't assume what was in those people's minds, but that's when I took it upon myself to reach outside of the organization. So I hired a coach who's had success, both entrepreneurially and then within organizations. She's had those senior ranking positions. So, and she was a black woman. So I looked for someone who had the qualities where I feel like I could speak to her, connect with her in a way where we had a shared experience, where she could tell me something that I just wasn't getting. She was able to illuminate so many blind spots for me. And that's what I feel like is the true power that I got from that coaching experience. And ever since then, I keep a coach. It's like, I'm always being coached. So let's talk about the burnout. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Around the same time. When did this happen? Oh my goodness. It's, I almost look back and, and wonder when was burnout not happening in mm-hmm. my 30s? I'm 41 now. And so I look back and was like, I think I was burned out more than once. And it's because I really was operating off of a model where, and I didn't recognize it at the time, I was not filling my own cup, you know, mm-hmm. but I was always ready and willing to step in to help others, to be the friend who will stay on the phone with you for hours and listen to your 
issues until you feel better, you know? Mm -hmm. But when it came time for me to do the same, there was no availability, right? And so it was a weekend where I actually was planning the funeral for a family member that I didn't even really like that much, but I was tasked with helping with the funeral planning because I'm boss daughter, okay? And so I was doing that and then I was planning to go to a friend's wedding. So I was in Macy's at Lenox Mall, Atlanta. Everybody knows where that is. <laughs> Shopping for dresses. I had an armful of dresses and something came over me where my heart started racing in a way that I had never felt before and I could not breathe. I, it was like, I almost stopped breathing. I couldn't catch my breath. And just as soon as that came on, it stopped. And I was looking around the whole time, like, did anybody just see what just happened to me? Like, and nobody of course was making eye contact with me. They didn't know what was going on with me. And in that moment, I remember thinking, I wouldn't even be able to describe what is happening to me to get help. In that moment, I felt like I needed to call 911, but I was frozen. I didn't know what to do. And so I lightly just put everything down, went into my car and then decompressed. I talked to a really good friend and was able to calm down enough to drive home. And from that point on, I made my own self-discovery, my own self-care, my own health a priority before everything. So I had to learn that. So I hired a therapist and that was one of the first lessons that we talked about was boundaries. I remember when she brought that word up to me in our session, I was like, what is a boundary? I didn't even know what she meant. I really struggled trying to even figure out what that was and what it would be for me. But I found out, I figured it out and I learned how to create those for myself. And my life has been incredibly different. I've never been as happy as I've been really from that first moment um, of discovering that I needed help, that my body was signaling like red alert, something wrong is happening and you need to finally pay attention to yourself. I would get like lumps in my throat. I would have tightness in my chest. I, I was experiencing physical reactions just in my life, in my day-to-day, -day, on the phone, listening to that friend, things were happening in my body like that, where I was holding my breath or I was having tightness in my chest. And then I would get off the phone, it would go away and I would move on with my day to the next responsibility, to the next task. And I was burning myself out. But our bodies always tell us what's going on. They always send us signals and it's up to us to actually connect with that and I think it's something that's really common that I've definitely gone through, continue <laughs> to struggle with. And I mean, you saying that I had to learn how to fill up my own cup, how to make that time and space for yourself is something that I've heard so many people say. So why do you think it is that that's not something that necessarily comes you know, is like first nature to us right. to take care of our own selves. I mean, do you think that's like this culture thing? Like, what uh -huh. do you think it is? What do you think it is that people <laughs> just like don't stop and take time for themselves until they're forced to yeah. because something like that happens in their life? So we're so conditioned to react immediately to life when life presents you with something like to look at to think about to respond to it's like that has to be immediate in our culture yes does condition that society on this side of the planet does condition us to be that way and that filters into our family environments into our organizational environments so the companies we work for the families that we're in and our interpersonal engagement so we it's an expectation that becomes built 
into how you are supposed to be, ways in which are seen as successful and what other ways that are not successful. So someone who put, builds nap time into their calendar during their workday can possibly be seen in, in a way that's shameful as in our culture, as opposed to someone who is filling up their own cup and who is allowing themselves more space in between stimulus and response from one meeting to the next to then show up and be fully present and fully engaged and able to contribute in a meaningful way. So um, I know you focus in your practice a lot on burnout yeah. um, and working <laughs> with clients who are experiencing burnout. Is that really because you lived it and experienced it yourself? Mm -hmm. I think it's one aspect of the work that I do now, which I'm so thrilled to be able to do. And it's something that's very commonly heard about these days. Yeah, that was another question I had. I feel like we're hearing more and more and more about this now. Mm -hmm. The word was coined in the 70s by a psychologist who burned himself out. He, Dr. Mm -hmm. Freudenberger, he worked in, in Manhattan and he had a practice there with very, you know, more expensive clients or people who are paying a higher rate. And then he had a free clinic on the lower side of town where he helped drug addicts. And he was so passionate about this work of helping people grow and transform. He would go back and forth between those two practices, did not build a lot of space for himself, did not fill up his own cup and found himself for weeks laid out, completely exhausted. And the only thing he was able to do was record his voice as he talked about what his symptoms were. And he called them oh my burnout. He called those symptoms burnout. So he coined that term in the 70s. And 50 years later, now it's all the rage. Like, now, oh, I'm, bur I'm really stressed. I need a nap or I need a good night's rest. I'm burned out. But that is not really what burnout is. Burnout is complete and utter exhaustion, both physically and emotionally, where you really feel like you have nothing left to give. Like things that you are truly interested in, you mm. just don't have the capacity, the energy to put towards it. And that's frustrating, right? It can cr then create what is the third sign for burnout, a feeling of depersonalization and depression. Because if I'm meant to be in a helping profession, a lot of science and data is focused on helping professions, but now it's across a lot of different industries when it comes to burnout. But those were the first ones that were studied, like people who are doctors, nurses, they found that there were high burnout rates. And so these people are passionate. They go to school for how many years to do something that they love to save lives, but then they show up and they're depressed. And what that can look like is cynicism. So everything has like a gray film over it, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you just help someone, you know, recover from a chronic condition or something that was ailing them or, you know, but you just don't feel that great about it. You possibly feel cynical about that and not just that, but other aspects of your life. It kind of colors everything. And then that can lead to the last symptom of burnout, which is inefficacy, where you really feel like what you're doing doesn't even really matter. So those are the three markers for burnout. And people, yes, high stress does lead to burnout, perpetual stress. So being stressed because of the body, your identity, that's a stressor, right? And having to show up everywhere in spaces and be afraid of, am I safe in these environments? Whatever that could be, um, that's a stressor. And over time, when you layer that with other modern day stressors of being in a pandemic, of having people in your life contract COVID possibly pass away from COVID, losing your job. So those are all layered on layer and top of layers. And then you're expected to show up and smile and be productive and make a living because you have bills to pay. 
over time, yes, that does create burnout. And so people need to understand what those symptoms are. They need to take it seriously. And whenever people are expressing this to me, like I just had a client last um, week and I'm still thinking about him. He actually works in the medical profession. And I said, well, what would you tell one of your patients if you heard <laughs> saying what you're saying to me now, what would you tell them? And he's like, I think I would tell them they're probably burned out. Right. And so that's why you need someone who can then mirror back to you right. what's going on. Because even people who study this for a living, who tell other people they're burned out, sometimes don't recognize it, we just it don't in themselves. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's serious. Yeah. What do you think it takes for someone to recognize it in themselves? Mm -hmm. Really being connected to your body. Yeah. Like I said, we're just so disembodied in our culture, in our society, and we're very thought-driven and mindset-driven, and that has its benefits, but it's not the whole enchilada. I think when people hear the term burnout um, or may think that they are there now or on the cusp of it that sounds scary it's very scary and i want people to be afraid if it if it <laughs> being afraid to get help i'm, I'm afraid I'm <laughs> well but here's the thing there are answers there okay. there is help out there there are people <laughs> who are trained to be able to help you with this and you might not be like dr freudenberger laid out for two weeks not able to do anything right yeah but what i find and as i'm having more conversations people's bodies are talking to them for me it was an, a panic attack that i didn't even recognize that's what it was for others it might be digestive issues right they have like they're not able to pass poop okay that let me just that's something yeah. we all do but they're not able to do that on a regular basis that is a right. signal that your body is sending to you that your body's starting to shut down and it's not operating the way it yes. should be able to operate so listen to people who claim themselves as experts and I would say look at that information and then compare it do your own research and do what then they recommend that works best for you to get some type of professional support. For me, it was a therapist. I really needed to change the way I saw myself and saw my value and how I was to be out in the world, you know? So that's where I started. It could be with your general practitioner who just helps you from a body place, like get your body together. It could be an acupuncturist. It could be a massage that I don't know, somebody who is used to this kind of work. They talk to these, they talk about people about these kind of issues that can lead you in the direction to get out of burnout. Because from a neuroscience perspective, it can take up to three years to recover from burnout. Mm. So you don't want to get to that place. You don't want to get right. to burnout. You don't even want to get there. So if you're on the road to it, I have a download that talks about 12 different steps that people can potentially see themselves before they even get to the burnout phase. So do that. I'll make sure to link to that below in the show notes as well so that people can find that there. Um, I always like to ask in closing a health or happiness tip <laughs> that maybe, you know, is important to you, you implement in your life or that you like to just recommend something simple that people can implement day to day in their lives um, that maybe just helps keep them healthier. Mm -hmm. I love that. There's a book that I read, uh, uh, well, I listened to on Audible called Breath by James Nestor. And he did a deep dive into breathing and how it's our superpower as humans. And like I said, I used to hold my breath. That was so unhealthy for me. 
his book <laughs> gives you the reasons why you shouldn't do that in other ways of breathing that are not helpful to us and things that you can do to help yourself. So different breathing techniques. I've now say, since taken breath work classes, I'm an avid meditator and I breathe deeply as often as I possibly can. <laughs> and it has transformed my health. It's made me happier and healthier. So starting with something seemingly simple is like taking a breath, noticing the breaths you're taking in and out is so powerful. It's, it's our superpower. Is it something that you would say people should like maybe focus on a little block of the day or just try Absolutely. to like build in throughout the day and be aware of their breath or? Is, yes. What do you I think? love that. I love all of, all of oh. the above. Oh. Yes. <laughs> For me, I actually built it into my calendar where I take moments where my alarm goes off, where I just take a deep breath. So that's something that I did to get myself into the practice of it. Mm. I start every day. I wake up. I do meditation at least. At least if sometimes I only have three minutes, and I like guided meditations because I think a lot, and so mm -hmm. I'm actually listening to someone guide me through. Okay, now inhale, now exhale. That's yeah. very helpful for me, for especially for people with busy minds and the mind is doing what it's supposed to do. When people say you shouldn't have, like, you should be able to have no thoughts during meditation, that's extreme and not very. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because my, my mind is doing what it's there to do, and so to have some someone guide me through that as I take deep breaths is game changing. It, it changes. It has transformed my health from the inside out. Well, I love it. I'm so glad you were able to recover from your burnout yes, and look how it has truly really changed the whole trajectory of your life as well has. from working it in yes. marketing and communications yes. to now feeling, I assume so passionate about the work um, and you know, that you did in your own life that you're helping others do the same. That's it. it transformed even, it gave me a sense of purpose. I was able to find purpose in it. And I don't always like to say people have to hit a rock bottom to find their purpose. I was always this, mm. but this just was able to bring things out of me that I didn't even really know were there. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, if that's your journey, if you have to hit your head several times, like how I did, that's your journey. That's okay. Have some compassion. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. get, get to work with it, you know? And so, yeah, absolutely. It definitely did do that for me. And I'm so thankful that it did. Awesome. And I'm thankful for you for sharing your story. Tell everyone how they can find you, learn more about you, connect with you on social, all the good things. Oh, I love that. So my website is KeyshawnHughes.com. There's no why. It's just K-E-S-H-A-W-N Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S.com. And if you do that, KeyshawnHughes.com backslash burnout, you can download that guide that I talked about. I'm also Keyshawn Hughes on Instagram, on Clubhouse, on all the things. Anybody who <laughs> invites me on, I just tried a new um, app called Fishbowl where we had a conversation. So I'm Keyshawn Hughes on there too. And so <laughs> you can find me <laughs> anywhere at Keyshawn Hughes. Fishbowl. Haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. New to me too, <laughs> but I just had a conversation like this one on there yesterday. So yeah. Huh. I'm like, <laughs> how am I going to keep up with I know, all it's of a these lot. <laughs> clubhouse? I mean, I know about clubhouse. It's been yes. fun. Mm -hmm. Fishbowl now. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can do something on a managing all the different social media platforms. I know. Not burning out. <laughs> that, that could it'll absolutely burn people out. But just do what's fun. Well, do what feels good. I think that's really important. People say, you know, feelings aren't facts. Don't just listen. Incorporate feelings as a factor of information that you consider before making a decision. So just information. Think about, like, 
Yes, it's it's another thing of um, factor of information that you can consider before making decisions. So I encourage people to do that. Don't completely repress or deny or suppress what your body is telling you because <laughs> it's doing that for a reason. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Keyshawn. I really appreciate it. It's such a good conversation. Thank you. This is great. Thank you for the opportunity. You know, in May, we just wrapped up Mental Health Awareness Month, but every month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And our mental health is part of our overall health. And it's so important. So I hope you took away some great, valuable information here today on this episode. I did as well. Make sure you connect with this guest, Keyshawn Hughes. And all of her information is below in the show notes. Learn more about her. She's really great and a wealth of knowledge. And I hope you stay connected with me as well on all the places, but especially on LinkedIn and subscribe on YouTube as well as turn on those notifications because you know I want to see you back each and every week. I would hate for you to miss out. So until I see you back next week, stay happy, stay healthy.